Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. Okay, another recording day. I love podcasting. My clients all know that. Welcome to another week, everybody. It's a hard topic, but it's not, right? Not the way that we, when we can find ways to talk about it that are just real and human, it's just life, right? Abortion is a part of life. So welcome, welcome, Tracy Ford. I found Tracy through... um, a mentor, Simone Soul, who I love, and Tracy is in a group with me, and and all kinds of good stuff happening. So the reason I was super interested to bring Tracy onto the show is her experience with trauma healing, mm-hmm. and um, she graciously said yes, so we'll see where the conversation takes us, but before we do that, why don't you just introduce yourself to my audience in the way that feels right for you, for today, for this show, for these people. Absolutely, thank you again so much for having me, Amanda. It's amazing. And it's also just amazing that simply being in community inside of a training group um, connects us, connected us. So I'm so excited for that because we never know when we're gonna connect to awesome people. So thank you so much for reaching out to me. It's like the, some of the best people I've met are through other people's programs. Yeah, exactly. Well, I am Tracy Ford and I am a trauma healing coach for high achieving black women. And I help them to maneuver, to maneuver through the, the mind drama and the thoughts so that they can start to manage their brain mm-hmm. and to overcome that mental and emotional um, oppression, if you will, from various forms mm-hmm. of trauma, whether it be childhood trauma, Um, Of course, historical trauma, a.k.a. racism and discrimination and systemic oppression and and so forth. Relationship trauma, because we know friendships and romantic relationships and even family relationships can sometimes uh, reap a lot of uh, pain um, in our uh, in our lives and be quite quite traumatic. And um, yeah, so that's that's what I do. It's it's quite fulfilling. Uh, it's um, no no coaching session is ever the same, no matter if the uh, type of drama um, is the same. But uh, it is definitely fulfilling to see um, when my clients have those aha moments and they realize that their thoughts about a situation, a circumstance can make the biggest difference in how they start to show up for themselves and in the world. So, yeah, love I love the way you worded mental and emotional oppression. I actually think that is something that strikes a lot of my clients is they think like it shouldn't be traumatic, Mm. but what's happening are these layers and layers and layers of mental and emotional oppression of women and reproductive health. And also you mentioned like generational trauma, right? Systemic. It's like, so I think for a lot of my listeners, it's confusing. It's like, 
okay, this wasn't that big a deal. Why does it feel so dramatic? Exactly. Yeah. So that is, um, yeah, I'm so glad to have you. I read something today on Facebook. I love social media. <laughs> that Simone, who we met through, wrote. Um, and she's an amazing coach and actually marketing um, her her niche, her her happy spot, right, <laughs> is joyful marketing and helping people market their businesses in a really authentic way. Mm -hmm. So what she wrote today, I was like, oh, of course she wrote that. It's perfect for my conversation with Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's super quick, but let me just read it and let's talk about it. Um, okay. She wrote, being trauma-informed and trauma-sensitive is not, in capital letters, in loving service of your clients when and here's the important part <laughs> you don't give their inner resilience and creative power at least equal weight as their trauma and i was like yes that is it it's like finding that balance of acknowledging the trauma recognizing the trauma and not putting our focus there right it's like yeah. let your focus be there as it needs to as it stirs up in you as the feelings come but mm -hmm. give equal weight to how resilient you are to um how creative you are to the inner power and knowing that you have and so i think as a people we like to think of things as like black and white, right? Like I'm either traumatized or I'm not traumatized. <laughs> and then that somehow defines how we live. Exactly. All the things. So what did what were your thoughts when you heard that? Wow. Um, it's filled with a lot of things because trauma informed is something that um so many mental health professionals use. And yes, there are certain, um, there are six pieces to the being trauma informed. I am trauma sensitive. Mm -hmm. um, and of course I am trauma informed because I understand the process of trauma informed. However, I think people, especially from a coaching perspective, and that's the only thing I can take it from, is that people sometimes think that people need to be saved which is why mm -hmm. they forget that they have and, and it's not that they don't know it because again they're thinking from a savior perspective yeah. and that's what coaching is about coaching is about helping someone to tap into who, who they are so that they can save themselves because they have it all within them even from a mental health perspective, that's what it should be about. Um, from my perspective, helping someone to maneuver through all of those things that have made them and shaped them with their environment, what they've been exposed to, their circumstances and situations, whether those be internalized, whether it be institutionalized, whether it be structural, it's something that we should be um, holding um our space for and being present for to allow them to pull those things from within outward so that they have 
agency, not only agency, but also are able to tap into that inner resilience and that creative power mm-hmm. and understand that the circumstances and the things that actually were traumatic actually also help them to tap into those beautiful things of inner resilience and creative power so that the trauma is not made to be this big bad thing yes it was traumatic however how can we actually look at it from a perspective of something where we actually learn from mm-hmm. now let, let me preface that by saying I do not believe that we can learn from uh, being molested, that that actual act is something that we learn something positive for ourselves. Of course, the common sense thing is if, if it happened to you, you wouldn't do it to someone else, but that's just not how our minds work. Yeah. However, we can take that experience and say, yes, this did happen to me. However, I do not have to allow it to define me. And as a result, I am tapping into my inner resilience that, yes, I survived this horrible experience, but look at who I am in spite of that. And look at what I'm able to create in spite of that. So that happened, true enough. Mm -hmm. But here is the outward result of what happened because of the inner resilience and that creative power that I was able to create and able to tap into because of. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, totally. And I think I just had a conversation or recorded, I don't know what order these podcasts will go out in because I'm not that organized to to keep track of that. (laughs) But we were just having this conversation (laughs) in another recording. At first, when you were talking, I was, you know, thinking this, I talk about trauma like a door, Um, like, Mm -hmm. sorry, I talk about abortion like a door, which some people define as trauma and not everyone does, right? But as a door that we can walk through to to tap into that inner strength, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and I think the fine line is, I wouldn't wish it on anybody. I'm not like, go, uh, you know, go hope for an unplanned pregnancy so you can choose abortion and so that you can learn how strong you are. It's not like that. And I think that's where it gets misinterpreted a lot. It's not like, oh, well, you weren't molested as a child. You're missing out. You missed out. You're missing out on that opportunity. (laughs) That is not it, right? But I think it gets misinterpreted that way sometimes when we talk about our traumatic experiences unlocking strength in us that we didn't know we had. Um, So I think that, you know, it's, it's, I don't know if you agree, but I think it's impossible to get through life without some kind of trauma, especially because we've, we've said at the beginning of the show, like mental and emotional oppression is like far beyond our personal experience. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Right. So it's kind of like, you're not going to get away free 
if it's not abortion or it's not child abuse or it's not domestic abuse or it's not a car accident, right? It's going to be something. And so we can't change that it happened. No, what do we want to do with it. You're so right, Amanda, because from the moment we are conceived, we are actually experiencing trauma because oh, true. <laughs> trauma and her generational trauma, we are actually, our DNA is, the, our mother's DNA is already coded with the trauma that she has actually experienced as well as the DNA uh, codes from her mother. Yeah. Her mother and her mother. So the generational trauma is already coded in our DNA from um, a perspective of what's called epigenetics. So we are already conceived in trauma. The difference is that many of us, and I'm speaking from a perspective because I am a black woman and I work with black um, high achieving women, is that some of us are dealing with trauma every single moment of the day in some capacity, whether it's from a media perspective, whether it's from a social media perspective, whether it's from just simply going to Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts and getting trying to get a, a cup of coffee. Yeah. There are those microaggressions though, that pop up constantly all the time and we are constantly on alert. That's not to say that someone who has experienced um, trauma, uh, childhood trauma, who may be Caucasian or may be Asian or, or another race, isn't experienced other types of trauma that we're not privy to. So we're always experiencing some type of trauma. If you've experienced death in your family, you've experienced trauma, whether it was what, and I don't like to to use the big T and the little T because I feel like that minimizes someone else's trauma and what could be major to me may not be major to right. you. So I don't like to use big T and little T. However, um, I've never survived through a, a hurricane or a tornado, so I don't know what that experience is like. So I can't say that her experience or someone else's experience is less than mine. We all experience some type of trauma. If you've had a pet that died, my daughter had a little bird um, when she was about 10 years old, um, Albert, that died. And to this day, she is 34 years old. She still talks about Albert. Wow. <laughs> and it's so... We, we you just never know. Trauma. You know, being in a relationship that didn't go so well and a friendship with another woman that didn't go so well can be traumatic. So we will never, ever escape trauma. The, the thing about trauma is how we respond to that trauma. And if we allow ourselves to actually feel those feelings, which is what we most of us are trying to get away from. We don't want to feel the feelings of loneliness, the feelings of hurt, all of those things. And when we push those things away, it's why we stay in that um, mentality, if you will, or in that even state of having those trauma responses that show up as fear, that show up as anger, that show up as frustration, that show up as a lack of control or overthinking and in many other ways. It is what we do after that, that is going to determine where and how we move forward with it. Can we still build resilience even if we haven't fully dealt with the trauma? Absolutely we can. Yeah. Because that, regardless of what coping mechanisms you use, whether it's a negative coping mechanism or a positive coping mechanism, you're building some type of resilience. Totally. 
That's such a good point to make. I was actually writing about that, oh, something similar this morning, which is like, you don't have to love all of yourself, right? Like you don't, it doesn't have to be perfect to move forward and build resilience or love or strength or whatever the things are like. It's just recognizing that that's there. It's like, it's, it's not, there's, this is not a place of perfection. <laughs> you can no. build resilience without complete healing. <laughs> exactly. Because we'll yeah. never be completely healed until, yeah. you know, when we die, we'll still be going through some type of healing because until we die, we're going to experience some type of experience. That's going to be very unpleasant. Um, hopefully it won't be too be catastrophic from your perspective, because again, what's catastrophic for me may not be catastrophic for you. Really? And I like what you said. You said that we don't have to love all the parts of ourselves, but we do need to accept all the parts of ourselves. Yeah, accept. And, and I, you know, what I was thinking this morning is like, there's a level of compassion, right? Yes. It's like, we don't have to love, but we can have compassion for Yes. And that is the piece of the acceptance. It's like accepting what was. And that's a big, it's a big, 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 big topic for my audience is acceptance that what happened, you know, that that, that really happened, right? Because a lot of my listeners, the clients who reach out to me are in a place where they're almost in denial. That, mm -hmm. that they've been through this and just, there's a lot of confusion coming from that lack of acceptance yeah, exactly and that's that part of pushing away and that's something that we've been taught to do as women period we've been taught to suck it up mm -hmm. we've been taught to push through it and we've been taught to just keep it moving yeah. You know, that's part of the capitalism part of it, because mm -hmm. as long as we're pushing through, keeping it moving, we're still generating that labor, whatever those things. And then there's also the, the, the white supremacy part of it and the patriarchal part of it. Yes, this is what I was just, I was like frantically part writing notes about everything you're just saying. <laughs> you know, there's so many parts of it um, that we as women have had to, um, learn to to deal with and now we're going through that process especially if you're working with a coach you're doing the work of unlearning these things that have been so unhealthy for us and that have kept kept us oppressed it's kept us oppressed to not being able to feel those feelings for instance if you um were someone who um had an abortion we even now we're talking <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at tv the other day and i was like why are these people these political people still trying to control my body this, this is my body why are men still and even some women still trying to control what i choose to do whatever i choose to do whether you agree with it or not doesn't matter it's my body mm -hmm. I don't yeah. believe in abortion personally for myself, but if that is something that you have made the choice to do for you, I am going to pray for you. I'm going to support you in whatever way that is you need me to. It does not mean I have to agree with it just because I support you. If I pick you up or I take you to the facility, that simply means that I am honoring your decision. 
I am honoring our friendship, my love for you, and I'm going to be there for you to hold space for you to get through this. It still doesn't mean I, I agree with it, but I do agree with your decision. Yeah. And where do we, I think that's where it so gets, gets so tricky in political conversations is like we, what you're speaking to is like, I can love you even if I wouldn't do it for myself. But there's not a lot of room for that in systems. <laughs> yes. Where it gets messy. Yes. Um, I think it's so interesting when you were talking, I was like having this moment of acceptance is how they oppressed us, right? In some ways, because it's like just accept just accept you are the you are of lesser value you are right we had to just accept to survive right right if you're um it's like in a way was a tool of oppression which is where this like resist slogan came from in a lot mm -hmm. of social justice work it's like resist mm -hmm. but again there's this nuanced place where acceptance is also how we heal and grow mm. and resist is a fine line of not accepting reality. So it's like all so complex. <laughs> so yummy. <laughs> it's wild, right? It is. But the difference, and, and I think that's the big part, the acceptance from allowing us to exist and for us to survive was on someone else's terms yeah and when we're accepting from the healing perspective we are healing on our terms yeah. within hmm. the scope of their terms yeah and what we're saying is no longer will i simply accept the status quo because I am so much worth more than that. And I'm willing to accept whatever come may be from your side to accept who I am at my core, what makes me happy, what makes me feel alive, what makes me fulfilled, what's gonna give me the life that I want to lead. So that's where the difference in acceptance is. Yeah. And then I wouldn't, it's, not even so much that we're resisting the status quo. What we're saying is that it doesn't work for us anymore. So we're not going to do it. We're not resisting it anymore. We're accepting we're resisting your terms. Exactly. <laughs> what we're saying is that that's your way of thinking and we're okay with that, but this is the way we are thinking and this is what's comfortable for us. And so this is what we are going to do. Um, we're not resisting it. We're not accepting it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a tricky place there where you just said we're resist. Oh, shoot. I should have written it down. Um... We're accepting that this is the way you think about it. We're not necessarily resisting. We're just not no longer accepting it. Yeah, I because think that when we get into the much big energy. systems, the confusing part when we get into the big systems is I accept that that's how you think about it but it, it can't be this way anymore for a socially just society. And that's so it's, it's just so big. It's so big. 
It is. And I think the word resistance is actually used in a way to almost, to make us feel as if we're doing something bad. Yeah. So when you think about resistance, you don't think about someone doing something bad. You think about, oh, you're pushing away. You're not trying to conform. Mm -hmm. So I think if we could change that terminology to non-acceptance versus resistance, oh, then that come to some terms because now it's not about good or bad right or wrong it's about simply what is working for me does yeah. not work for what what is what is what you're saying does not work for me and how can we actually have a conversation about it so that it is actually just for yeah. all of us to live in this world and be able to be true to who we are at heart it doesn't mean we want to break laws it doesn't even it doesn't mean anything like that what it simply means is i want to be true to what feels good yeah. to me the word resist in my body just doesn't feel good it's, it, it's word, energy yeah totally it's a negative but, energy totally. as soon as you said non-acceptance i was like "Ooh, curious i'm like now it's like a rebel with curiosity <laughs> versus like a rebel with anger. It's so interesting how powerful words are. Yes. Um, okay. So do you want to take a few minutes to share like a favorite healing tool that you have and use that might be useful to my audience? I am a huge fan of breath work. Mm, oh, I love that. I love breath work because, and God breathed into us. He gave us the breath of life. And we all know if that we cannot breathe, we, we can no longer live. Mm -hmm. It is truly the breath of life. Mm -hmm. We have to have oxygen, but breath work is one of my favorite tools. One, because it's accessible anywhere and everywhere. And, and you don't even have to know how to do certain types of breath work, simply just breathing in. Mm -hmm because it forces you to be present when you just stop and breathe in and inhale and you can inhale all the beautiful words and sights and feelings and sensations and foods any you can just visualize all of those while you're breathing and then add on that exhale just let it all out and you know when you just let it all out and your body just goes limp that just feels so good not worrying about posture mm -hmm. or any of those things and just exhale all of that negative energy all of that negative talk and self-talk and it's the most powerful anytime <laughs> i have a client i can do tapping i love tapping as well but yeah. breath work is so much easier because oh, you don't have to really think about breathing Mm. You simply have to just be in the moment and do it. Yeah. And whenever I have a client who's anxious or I can sense that there are, there may be a trauma response or a trigger, yeah. the first thing I always go is say, you know what? Let's stop for a moment and let's breathe. Let's breathe. Mm. And it centers them automatically and it grounds them. And it's like, okay, wow, that was well, what did you just do? I said, I didn't do anything. You breathe. <laughs> you did the breathing. I didn't do anything. I just brought you back to the present. Oh my goodness. Oh, that's so good. It's kind of like every time I um, have that thought, I need to get healthy. Like I need to start eating better. I'm like, just start with water. 
just just yeah. start with drinking more water. <laughs> it's like sometimes the simplest answer is the one. And this is like yeah. just breathe. Like if your mind is in chaos, if your body is in tension, just breathe. Yeah. Yeah. Just breathe. Just it's, breathe. Yeah. It's so amazing. And when you don't really think about how powerful breath is, mm-hmm. because we it's so we take it for granted that we're gonna be breathing. Yeah. We don't ever we don't ever think about oh I'm not breathing because when we're not breathing we're no longer here right, right. <laughs> when you're actually present with the power of your breathing mm-hmm. then it it starts to hit you because med- I love meditation also but meditation was always difficult for me because I am one of those people that thinks all the time even when she's sleeping I wake up thinking it's like whoa oh let me write that down but breath work is the only thing that I am not thinking through. Yeah. yeah. So that's been so powerful for me. I love that. We've had some discussions about yoga in this podcast before, and I've never really enjoyed yoga except Kundalini yoga, which is centered in breath work. And Mm -hmm. I think that was why, because the like paying attention to my breath and getting (laughs) like working with my breath kept me it brought me to that state of like, oh, this is what yoga is supposed to do. <laughs> but think about it. You're a mom, right? When we are given birth to our babies, what do they tell us to Exactly. Focus on? That's what I was thinking when you were talking earlier. I was like, we know how powerful breath is because it's like the tool we use in the most physically transformative and powerful physically, emotionally, spiritually, all the things, right? Mm-hmm. Transformative experience of our lives. Yeah, most of us will never experience that level of intensity. And what do they tell us to do? Breathe. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, I I had my first daughter. I only have two daughters when I was 16. Me, I was the unfortunate person. I got pregnant the first time I had sex. (laughs) But it was actually generational because my mom got pregnant the first time she had sex. Oh, how interesting. I had no idea. This is why having those conversations with people in your family is so important. Because had I known that information, best believe I would have taken protection. But I would remember distinctly I was going, I wasn't breathing. Yeah. And she was like, nope, breathe through your nose and then exhale. Breathe through, because your baby's not getting oxygen. And that calmed me down so much. And when I started back with breath work, I was like, why did I, why, why did I never do this before? Yeah, yeah. But I think breath like, work could be really powerful for, um, for women during abortion too, during the procedure, all the steps of, of working through it. There are abortion doulas who will walk through that with you, but, um, it's such a healing tool when you're moving through the experience too. I, I, like you said, I'm not, I would never choose abortion personally until I did. So it's, it's one of those things that you just, until you're in that one particular situation, right? Like mm-hmm. for you at 16, you could find the, the resources you needed to, to say yes to a pregnancy. And for somebody else at 16, that's not an option. Right. So it's so interesting. Um, I think breath is a great tool to bring exactly. to the audience. Oh, I think so too. And you're right. You never know um, what you will and will not do. So I, I 
try to stay away from that word never. Um, however, for me, that was, um, I just, it, I never had that thought, even getting pregnant at 16, yeah. it never yeah. occurred to me to even consider abortion. I knew yeah. that I was going to do whatever it took to bring this child into the world. And I knew that I was going to do whatever it took to make sure she or he was going to be okay. Mm -hmm. But as you said, and I do have family members who have um, had abortions and for them, it was the right thing to do. And even hindsight being 2020, um, knowing them, it was the right thing to do okay. even years later for yeah. them. So uh, it's again- It's so hard though, because if they hadn't chose abortion, they too would have had a child who was beautiful and who that someone would have found love for. So it's a really tricky conversation because we think once we've made the choice not to abort, I have three planned children. So I never had an unplanned pregnancy that didn't turn into, um, but it's a conversation we're not really having as mothers. It's like, of course I love her or him or them with all my heart, mm -hmm. but what there i think there's a lot of women who are like if i had to do it i don't know that i would do it again which is a really hard thing to say once you have a living breathing right. absolutely amazing human being in your life absolutely um, yeah. uh, being that so i've never complicated been, <laughs> yeah i've never been on that side of it but i can certainly see how that can be um a tough decision to make. Mm -hmm. But also, Amanda, and you have to agree, a lot of times the decision that we make to have an abortion has a lot more to do with external than even internal sometimes. Well, I just wrote a, uh, I just wrote something for the, um, for the feminist coach training as I was closing it up, um, the program. And it was about this slogan, my body, my choice, because choice is such an interesting word. Mm. Is it really a choice, right? It's like, well, you know, uh, black, right? If you're a black man or woman, you have a choice to buy a home. You have a choice to become a, a professional. It's like, well, do you really? Let's talk about choice. Yes. <laughs> so I think that's where we get a little muddled too with abortion is like, yes, we do have choices, but oftentimes they are externally driven. I'm in an abusive relationship. I have a choice, but I don't like any of my choices right now, right. right? Keep the baby in an abusive relationship or have the baby in an abusive relationship. Is that really a choice? Like, so you get into, so, but I think you're right. A lot of our reasons become external because of the choices we're looking at, right? right. It's like, am I going to add another child to um to my living off of food stamps or whatever it is like is that what i want for this child is that what i want for myself my community the world it's exactly so and they are tough they are tough choices yeah. and that's the hard part um if you can make that decision and that decision is truly driven by your own core values yeah your core values not your parents yeah not societies not the dudes not the the partner not whomever but if you can make that decision based on your core values and be okay with it 
then that is the right decision for you. The, and I think the reason why so many women are saying, or if I wouldn't make that decision again, is because they've gone through some of probably the same things that they thought they would would have to go through had they brought that baby into the world. And I, when yes, I say that's so true. it's going to be tough, it's not going to be easy. I'm not going to be able to have to provide education. How am I going to have a home? I put a roof over their head. They've probably gone through times where there's been. Um, the fun, the fine, the, the finances were not waving at each other. <laughs> right, right, right. They were a long way away and they still made it happen. They still put food on the table. They still put a roof over that, the heads of themselves and their children. And they're probably kicking themselves possibly. And I don't know, but I think that's probably why a lot of us go may think that I would make a different decision because if I could do it with this, then maybe I could have done it then. However, and I want to encourage them to think of this as a, a quote from Maya Angelou that I, I use with my clients all the time because you can only do better when you know better. Mm. At that time, that was your better. Mm. Yeah. You didn't know that you could do this on the other side of it. Yeah. And at that yeah. moment, you made the best decision. So don't beat yourself up. Yeah, well, I think it comes back to that word compassion. It's just having compassion for the reason that you made that choice. And um, feeling grief, feeling shame, feeling even regret doesn't mean it was the wrong choice. It doesn't mean that. You can keep those things and still find your resilience, still find your strength, still find your healing. And like you very likely would have, well, we know 100%, you're going to experience shame, guilt, grief, regret in your lifetime, whether you choose to keep a pregnancy or not. So if you can learn to feel those feelings, they're going yeah. to be there no matter what decisions you make in life. If you decide you're to so take right. the job, not take the job, move to another state, not move to another state, keep the pregnancy, not to keep the pregnancy, doesn't matter what you choose, the work is still feeling all the feelings. <laughs> that part exactly because even at 16 my mother was ashamed that i had gotten pregnant yeah right so now that the part is that she got pregnant but she was 20 something years old in her first yeah. year of college i was yeah. 15 had my daughter at 16 and i wasn't ashamed that i was pregnant i was ashamed because my mother was ashamed so i carried a shame that wasn't even my own shame yeah. <laughs> I well i had a lot of shame after my abortion and it was shame that I got pregnant in the first place, not shame for the abortion. I was like, that was exactly the right choice for my family, mm -hmm. but I'm totally embarrassed that I got pregnant in the first place, which, you know, I, I, my IUD fell out and I didn't know. And I was like, I should have known of so much shame. It's like, oh wow. so it doesn't, none of it, you know, we're just going to feel the feelings just no feel matter what we choose, no matter what our situations, um, breathe and feel the feelings feel the feelings <laughs> because on the other side of shame on the other side of guilt on the other side of regret on the other side of grief there is happiness there is joy there is peace there is ease there is there are high achieving black women <laughs> yes they are <laughs> 
because we got to go through those. And, and a lot of times we can't get to that happiness, that joy, that peace. And we typically won't until we go through yeah. those feelings of shame and guilt. And when I say go through the feelings of them, what I mean is processing the feelings yeah. and understanding them. And that include that requires you to manage the thoughts around those feelings. Yes. And then you can get to the other side. Um, and a lot of people think they got it. They can skip through it and then go over, but that's not how this life works. I'm sorry. Yeah. And also <laughs> if you don't understand the thoughts that are creating the feelings, the feelings are just going to keep coming back. Exactly. So it's like, oh, okay, I'll just feel this. And then wait a second, I'm still feeling it. And I'm still feeling it. And I'm still feeling it. Well, it's because you're so, thinking the same thought over and over and over again. It's different ways. And it's, it's the so thought funny. creating the feeling. So you, exactly. you, you got to do work the whole system. Yeah. Yes. Oh, exactly. thank you so much for this conversation. I am so excited to see your next steps in your coaching work and your feminist work and all of it. Um, oh, thank you so much. And we I, will connect to all your places, your, you know, your links and tabs, but is there a quick way people can find you? What's my handle is planted to flourish and that's P L A N T E D T O F L O U R I S H across the social media yeah. channels. So if you look for me on Facebook, you're going to find me there. Instagram, Twitter, it's plant to flourish, but I'm never on there. So <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> Talking about words, flourish is such a good word. Such a good word. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we hear the word thrive. Thrive yeah. is great, but really what we want to do is flourish. Yeah, so beautiful. I love so Start with my slogan is let's grow, thrive, flourish, because that's where I really want us to be. Because we can get a plant. I'm a plant lover, and that's where it, this came from. We can go get a plant in a Lowe's or Home Depot or whatever garden center, and it's growing already, given the just the basics. Mm -hmm. But if we give it a little fertilizer and if we put it in the right type of sun, not direct sun, because no sun, no plant really wants direct sun, and we make sure the humidity is right. It'll thrive, meaning it's going to be a lot more lush. It's going to grow a little bit faster and be a little bit fuller. But when we take it up another step and we learn things such as um, how to use humic acid with it and other things, on top of that, it's going to truly mm -hmm. flourish and live its best life. So that's part that's of why a piece of coaching is using multiple modalities and multiple tools and multiple resources. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. And um, yeah. We'll and I hope that everything, I hope your daughter just has a cold or um, oh, something's going on with allergies right now and nothing else because we don't, we definitely don't want the other side I'm of sure things. That's it. I'm sure that's it. I had told Tracy right before this that we're running out the door to go get a quick COVID test, but I'm yeah. pretty sure it's just a cold. <laughs> awesome sauce. Thank All right. you so much. And we'll have to do this again. We'll have to connect um, outside of the podcast as well. Yes, I would love please. to. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank okay. you. Bye-bye, hun. Take care.
Thanks for listening. And as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.